Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Now hear the word of the Lord is <clears throat> found in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. <clears throat> that is the spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, and because he abides with you, and will be in you. This is the awkward part. Hold on. That's really stuck. Okay. Stan, thank you for doing our reading. You do great. Really appreciate that. Well, as a church, Ohana, um, as you know, we have just been going through corporately uh, a troubling time where many troubles have popped up from COVID, Pastor Perry's motorcycle accident, um, as well as many things that you guys let me know about troubles that are going on in your life as well. Troubles that haven't abated in this time, but for many of you, troubles have increased uh, in this last month. And, and when we started this season of trouble, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but this season of trouble, the Lord led us to John chapter 14, where Jesus and his apostles were also facing a time of trouble, the time leading up to the cross. And Jesus, in that moment, instructs his apostles that our bodies were never meant to handle the trouble that we go through. So feel your trouble and let it out in appropriate ways like Jesus did. And at the same time, Jesus said, and I've got promises that you can rest in. And, and we've been looking at those promises. We've looked at two promises so far. This is just a little recap where we've been. We've looked at two promises. The first was the promise of peace, the kind of peace that Jesus gives us. And it's a different kind of peace than the peace that the world gives us. Because the world gives us a peace that's circumstantial, based on happenings out here. But the kind of peace that Jesus offers us is in here, despite the trouble that's going on out there. And then last week, Pastor Josh took us through the promise of security, that, that when we get rocked, God is not shocked. And no matter what happens in this life, we are going to a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. And we're going to have a big, big table with lots and lots of food. There's going to be a big, big yard where we can play football. Yeah. And we can rest assured that that is our eternal security. And today we're going to look at a third promise that Jesus gives, the promise of his presence. And it's my heart, it's my hope, it's my prayer that we wouldn't just be men and women who, who are hearers of this word, but that we would actually be changed, that we would be doers of this word by believing in these promises. So would you join me uh, in just asking and lifting this up to the Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, we come with grateful hearts that you have given us your word and that you have given us relationship 
and that you have made a way for us to um, go through troubles together and with you. And Lord, we, we present our troubles to you, both corporately as well as individually, as well as the joys and everything else of life as well. Um, and right now, Lord, we ask that you would fill each of us with your spirit, that you would speak through me words that are true and right, um, and that we would each walk away changed, not only hearers of your word, but doers of your word, by believing in your promises. Lord, would you be with those who aren't with us today? Would you bless them, nourish them, comfort them, strengthen them? Let them know that you love them and that we love them. And for those who are able or will be able soon, we ask that you would bring them back um, into our, our weekly presence. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 19 years old. I was a sophomore at Southwest Baptist University. Have we got any Bearcats out there? It was the first day of the fall semester. I was going to my English class Monday morning, 9 a.m. Nobody signs up for an 8 a.m. You know, class. 9 a.m. I go to my English class. I'm sitting on the left side of the room, and then in walks the most insanely gorgeous woman, not like this high school girl, but a college woman that I have ever seen. And I'm like, I know who I'm walking with after class. So after class, I, I go up to this woman and, hey, I'm Pete. And I'm kind of dorky, but she puts up with me. And, and I keep walking with her after English class week after week until October 13, 2004. You can mark it on your calendars if you want. I asked this girl to be my girlfriend and she said, yes. So glad she did. Fast forward about a year and a half later, because my, my girlfriend and I, Southwest Baptist University is in Southwest Missouri. She lives, my girlfriend lived in St. Louis, which is about six hours this way. I lived in Des Moines, Iowa, about six hours this way. So when we were on breaks, the hypotenuse of a triangle, if you guys remember the Pythagorean theorem, we were about eight hours away from each other. And Christmas break was five weeks long. And so I'm, I'm at Christmas break uh, I go out to lunch with my mom, and, and as we're driving home, my mom's starting to get a little bit giddy, and I'm like, that's cool, like mom's giddy, I don't know why, and we get inside the house, and then I look to the right, and I see this like really tall, wrapped up present, and I'm like, mom, what is that? And she's like, you know, go check, and so I'm like, okay, and start going over, and the present's kind of moving around, and my heart starts going a little bit pitter-patter, and I have a clue of what it is, so do you. And, and I start ripping open this present, and lo and behold, it is my insanely gorgeous girlfriend, Liz, who is now my gorgeous, insanely gorgeous wife. And she's standing there because she couldn't stand the thought of being away from her amazing boyfriend for five weeks. And for those of you who have been in a long-distance relationship, maybe you too know of the challenges of distance. We appreciate the phone calls. We appreciate the Zoom even more. But nothing beats being together, IRL, in real life. And I have a sneaking suspicion that God, in his desire to be in relationship with those who he created, had an idea that maybe the fullness of relationship wasn't contained in two tablets of stone that he etched on. And the fullness of his relationship that he desired with his, his children wasn't contained in just the prophetic words that prophet spoke. Because presence is important. Presence is important. And if presence is important, how do you experience the presence of God? 
Or perhaps a better question is, when do you experience the presence of God? You can take out your outlines. We're coming to our first truth that we discover in our scripture today. Uh, They're by the doors. For those of you online, it's a PDF right there. Um, First truth we discover in scripture today, you will experience the presence of God for all eternity because God is eternally present. God is eternally present. King David writes about God's presence in Psalm 139. I'll read it for you. It'll be on the screens as well. Psalm 139 verse 7 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, or if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You can't go anywhere without being with God. Book of Proverbs, chapter 15, puts it like this. Verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. I got really comforting news for you. When you lose your temper with your kids, God's there. Mm, I love the presence of God. When you're at work and you have that like really rude thought for your coworker, mm, God's there too. How comforting. God is always present with us, whether if we're in a good place or in an evil place, God is there. The weeping prophet Jeremiah records for us in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24. He says, Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I, I, God, do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? You guys remember that really, really great science lesson that Pastor Josh took us through last week with like the charts and everything on the screen? And do you guys remember how long it would take to drive to the edge of our, our solar system? Something like, yes, 16 million years just to get to the edge of our solar system. And in Jeremiah 23, God says, that's what I fill. I fill the cosmos. I don't have to drive across it for 16 million years. I just am there. And that's just our solar system. God fills the cosmos. And that is the presence of God. God's presence is not the issue for this relationship that we have with him. It's your experience how you experience God, because the spirit-filled believer experienced God in a completely different way than the self-gratifying, self-seeking blasphemer. And we're going to look at some of that difference in about 10 minutes. But for now, just know that God is eternally present, and his presence is experienced differently in different times and different places. So I'm, I'm kind of a, a history buff, and last week we took you through science, so we'll, we'll hit the history people. This week we're looking at history. We've discussed what our future in God's presence will look like in the future. That's what Pastor Josh talked about last week. But what has God's presence looked like in the past? And what does it look like now? So that's what we're going to talk about. In the past, God's presence was experienced by Moses in a burning bush. God's presence was experienced by the Israelites fleeing Egypt. And there's a pillar of cloud and and there's a pillar of fire by night. And then In Exodus 25, Moses is talking with God on Mount Sinai. They're kind of working out the the relationship, details of this new relationship, little DTR, if you will. And in Exodus chapter 25, God says this, verse 8. God tells Moses, Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Because God didn't want to be distant from his people. 
He didn't want to just stay filling the cosmos or stay on top of Mount Sinai. He wanted to be with his people as they went through their wilderness wanderings, as they went through the conquest of Canaan. God wanted to be with them. And then if you know the story, God's presence continued with them under King Solomon in, in the temple. But, but the Israelites started to walk away from the Lord. And their sin began to grow and become really a wicked nation. And so something happened to God's presence, and, and the prophet Ezekiel records it for us. In Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 18 says, The glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple, and it stood over the cherubim. God's presence, his glory that had been with Israel for a thousand years had departed. And then we have about 400 years of silence. No prophetic words, no presence, no glory of God. And that's the, the time between the Old and the New Testament. And then something happens again because God wants to be present. John chapter 2, Jesus has come to earth and Jesus has just cleanse the Jewish temple. He's, he's driving out sin. He's flipping over tables, things of sin that have, have caused God's glory to depart. And this is what, what happens. The Jews, they say, what sign do you show us your authority for doing these things, for, for cleansing the temple? And Jesus answers them, destroy this temple, and in three days, three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. The glory of God, the presence of God was now in a new temple. It wasn't in a temple built by Solomon or by human hands. The presence of God, the temple of God now became the body of Jesus. And then Jesus takes his presence, the glory of God, the temple of God, and he lives with his presence with mankind for three years and walks with his apostles. But then Jesus says, hey, I'm getting ready to leave, and you can't come. I'm going to take my presence. And then he tells them where God's presence will soon dwell. He tells his apostles, God's presence is not going to dwell in a bush. God's presence is not going to dwell in a tent or a, a temple. And my body, by the way, it's leaving. So here's where God's presence will, do, will dwell. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. As Stan read for us, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And that word another, it doesn't mean something different, but, but rather it's, it's like another of the same kind. Um, and that he, this other helper, may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you promise that Jesus gives to his troubled apostles to comfort them, that this new helper will abide with them and will be in them. And the apostle Paul makes it clear that this promise that Jesus gave wasn't just for the, the 12 apostles alone. It was for so much more than that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and this one uh, will slow down. You can flip in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 6. It's in the right side. This is a good one for your highlighter. Um, I wrote a song. It's a good one. You would love it. Next week I'll show it to you, maybe. If, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Make sure to underline this verse. says, Do you not know that your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Your body is now God's temple. 
And by that way, that, that word you there, it's not the individual you, 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 like we oftentimes think in America. This is the plural you, you all, you corporately. You as the body of Christ are the temple of God, where God's very presence and his glory dwells. And that's why when we're not together, it, it doesn't work well. We need incarnational church life to be the temple of God. And it's the presence that fills the cosmos that's inside of you. It's the presence that, that turned a burning bush on fire and didn't consume it that's in, inside of you. It's the presence that stayed off an entire Egyptian army and then shapeshifted between this cloud and this pillar of fire. That is what is inside of you. And Pastor Josh, I'm going to do it, man. <laughs> Drop the mic. Like, wake up. God's presence that fills the cosmos is inside of you. And sometimes it's like, wake up, Pete, because sometimes, I'll be honest, I walk around as if that's not true. I walk around nervous to pray for my non-Christian friend when trouble hits their way, and I'm like, can I pray for you? I don't know your spiritual beliefs, kind of awkward. And I get nervous, yet God's presence remains in me. Sometimes I, I get cynical when, when a friend lets me down, or I worry about my finances, or I get anxious when life becomes stressful. I, I fear that I'm going to deliver a bad sermon, but yet... God's presence, is, his full presence is here. And he has released his power. He has released his presence into my body and yours. How could you ever fear that your bank account won't be enough for your needs? How could you ever, ever wallow in misery or fear or anger or depression about a medical condition that you or a loved one faces? How could you ever be anxious that things won't turn out okay if God's presence is with you. Because even if the worst happens, and, and if your physically, physical body dies, which it will someday, you will be immediately transferred from God abiding inside of you into the abode that God has prepared for you. And the best part is there's no drywall dust there. And we get to be with God. And this is security. God is present in you. That's your next truth on your outline. God is present in you. And you can put you all, you plural, you as the church. God's presence abides in you. So what happens in the presence of God? It's a fitting question. If God's presence is here, what happens when God, when God comes by? We're going to go back to our history lesson. Hope you guys like it. Stay tuned next week. Maybe we'll do a different kind of lesson, math lesson. That'd be fun. Uh, what happened to Abraham in the presence of God? Genesis 17. I'm sure we've all memorized that one. Genesis 17, verses 1 through 3. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, it's never too late to get into the presence of God. He was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and he fell on his face. Fell on his face. Let's look at Pharaoh. What was the presence of God like for him? Exodus chapter 11. You may know the story. The Israelites have been enslaved for 400 years. God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no. And then these plagues start happening. And then in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4 and 5, says this. Moses said, thus says the Lord about midnight, I, I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Did you catch who was going to go into this wicked land of Egypt? 
God, God's presence into a wicked nation, bodies hit the floor, and the firstborn die in the presence of God. Okay, well, let's look at another kingdom, uh, the kingdom of, of the Israelites, Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, Solomon had just built the temple. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into uh, the Holy of Holies. It's a big celebration moment. 1 Kings 8, verse 10 says this, It happened that when the priest came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The priest couldn't even stand because God's presence was overwhelming to them. So let's just keep going. We're moving further in, in history. We've covered about 2,000 years. The Apostle Peter, what was the presence of God like for him? So you guys, excuse me, you remember Peter was, was hearing these words of Jesus in that troubling time. I will send another. He will be with you. But then right after this, Jesus goes to his trial. Peter follows along. Jesus is getting, getting sentenced to crucifixion, and Peter is denying that he even knows Jesus because he's afraid of what would happen to him. He's a coward. Fast forward a little later, Jesus dies, he resurrects, but then Peter is found in a room with all the apostles that is locked out of fear of the Jews, we read in Scripture. Peter shows himself a fearful man, a coward. Fifty days later, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, Acts chapter 2. You can go there if you got your Bibles. Acts chapter 2. We see what happens to this coward, fearful man when the presence of God comes. And remind you, God's glory, his presence had left this temple of Solomon. God's presence in the temple of Jesus' body has ascended into heaven now. And then this happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it fills the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. The presence of God had come on the apostles, on Peter. And some who were listening to what was going on were amazed but there were some in the crowd, we read, that started mocking Peter and the apostles. And so this is what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It's a fun verse. But Peter, taking his stand. Peter taking his stand. He didn't fall in the presence of God like so many others. There's something different about this kind of presence that Peter stood, and then this is what he does. Taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice. He declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. If you've read his sermon in Acts chapter 2, Peter goes on to give the best fire and brimstone. You're the ones who crucified Jesus, so change that anybody has ever given. And then we get to the end of the story, and 3,000 people came to Christ, and we all cheer. Woohoo! We're so excited, 3,000 people. Sometimes I don't think about those 3,000 because I think about the preacher. The preacher just preaching to 3,000 people and I'm guessing there was probably more than that because no preacher bats a thousand. There could have been five or ten thousand people that this one cowardly, fearful man started preaching to. I get nervous enough preaching to about 140 of you, and you all like me. 
Imagine preaching to more than 3,000 people who are mocking you, who just crucified Christ, and you don't know what they're going to do, and you say, you're the ones who killed him, so change. Peter was changed by the presence of God. Just like Abraham was changed, Moses was changed, Pharaoh was changed, the ministers in Solomon's temple were changed. Have you been changed by the presence of God? Have you been changed by God's presence? Earlier this week, I think it was Wednesday, I was working at my desk and trying to figure out the sermon so I don't give you a bad sermon. And Pastor Josh comes here, he come, comes in, and, and he's like, Pastor Pete, do you know what this Sunday is? I'm like, church. He's like, no, it's Pentecost Sunday. I mean, come on, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter, the day that we just read about in Acts chapter 2. How cool is that? And that is the day that we are experiencing, celebrating today, the day the Holy Spirit came. And I think it's God's invitation to you to let God's presence in your life because God's presence changes you. God's presence changes you. And that's your third truth today on your scripture. God's presence changes you. Have you let him? You see, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to change. He invites you to change. And the degree that you let God in is the degree that he'll change you. So our last, our final uh, truth today, it's our application point. It's actually a little different than what's on your, on your notes. So cross the last one off and put this one. Be changed by God's presence. Be changed by God's presence. And when you're filled with God's presence, when God makes his abode with you and you have the opportunity to let his spirit empower you to do really cool things in this world, let him. And you're going to see some wild things like the apostle saw in Acts chapter 2. But also be ready because God's spirit doesn't just work out here with our giftings. God's spirit works in here with the fruit of the spirit. And when you let God change you, you start to become a person of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. If you've listened to Pastor Perry before, you've heard an acronym that, that we live out at this church, D-A-Y. It's, it's the way that, that we experience, that we know how to let God's Spirit change us. It stands for D, desire. You need a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And once you have that desire, just ask. Say, God, fill me with your spirit. And we know that God gives generously to those who ask. But then watch out, because when he does fill you with his spirit, it's time to why? Yield. Yield your way to his. When your roommate doesn't do the dishes, again, be kind, because the fruit of the spirit is kind. When you get that thought in your head like, oh, maybe I should invite my neighbor over to dinner just to get to know them. Yield to God's Spirit and say, yeah, that sounds good. How about Friday night, neighbors? Yield to the Spirit of God. And if you don't yield, you got to go back to D and start all over again. But if you do that, if you do day, every day for the rest of your life, you will be changed by the presence of God. Would you join me in a word of prayer? And if you are here and you have never been changed by the presence of God, but it sure sounds good, I'll tell you it really is good. Would you just pray something like this? Say, Jesus, would you change me? Would you, would you send your presence into my life? And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross 
to make a way for your presence to be in my life. So please forgive me of my sins. Let me walk in your life and fill me with your spirit. For those of you in here that do already follow Jesus, would you pray something like this? Say, Jesus, I, I just yield myself to you. Would you fill me, Lord? And would you let me do that every day for the rest of my life? We submit ourselves to you, Jesus. Amen.